Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome back to another edition of the Teardown. It is now 2022. We are back for another year. My name is Jeff Gluck, and I'm along with my coworker Jordan Bianchi. We are motorsports writers for the Athletic. And last we left off, we were sitting in the convention center in Nashville, having a parade of guests come through for Champions Week, and that was a fun time. And then we disappeared. Well, at least I did. Jordan didn't. He was he was still on the clock. He was still doing some F1 stuff and other things like that. Uh, but took the month of December off. Uh, had some family time. And uh, now we are back at it. Brand new year, brand new season. And we're planning to do, well, I don't want to speak for Jordan, but I'm planning to do uh, <laughs> <laughs> weekly podcasts uh, for the foreseeable future. No, no more uh, breaks here. So welcome back, Jordan. How are you? Great to see you. Happy New Year. I have no vacations or anything planned. I'm all vacationed out after uh, December. So good to be back. Lots to talk about. And honestly, I don't know about you, but on Monday, kind of the first official workday of the year, it really dawned on me like the offseason's kind of over. We're here in the racing season now. We've got the Chili Bowl coming up. we got the Rolex coming up, obviously, with the Clash and Daytona 500. But it really does feel like the racing is, is here. At least it's very much around the corner. Well, I don't know if it's just like your condition this way from the motorsports calendar. I mean, of course, everybody throughout the world with whatever jobs, I mean, you always have sort of like that weird Christmas break, New Year's, you know, there's sort of that weird week in between and then New Year's comes around and everybody kind of goes back to school or goes back to work kind of deal. But I mean, especially in motorsports, it really feels like as soon as you hit January 1st, like for me, it goes from, oh, I want to lie on the couch. Like I want to chill out to like, hey, we got to get stuff going here. Like the season's <laughs> coming. Like this is like, it's here, you know? I mean, you know how it is. Like, I mean, Supercross starts right away. And like you said, Chili Bowl, Rolex, there's, especially this year with next-gen testing, yeah. um, you know, clash. the Clash is, is two weeks earlier than Daytona 500 this year before the Super Bowl. So, I mean, that's coming quick. There's, and then, you know, there are all these, news and personnel moves and all the stuff. And, uh, I think that's what we're going to talk about today. Just sort of like sort of catching up on some things that have happened, getting our, our reactions for some of them. And, uh, I wrote some other thoughts in my, in my top five column this week on, on generally stuff I missed, but of course we want to talk about it with Jordan as well. And, um, so yeah, why don't, why don't we go through some of these things that happened and, um, we'll rate them the significance of them newsworthiness on a scale of one to 10. Um, and just say like, Hey, what did you, how big was this? How big of a deal was this? You know, it works so, for me. Uh, lots to talk about too, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, to me, <laughs> number one and number one in my top five, uh, I've been know, looking forward to this, by the way, I have, and can I just set the scene? The smile on your face right now is as wide as I have ever seen it. You just have this gleeful wide beaming smile. 
how do you Why know which? What, what do you think that I'm going to lead with? I mean, I can't imagine what you think that I'm going to lead with I, first as terms the first just, item. Let me just think here for a second. Uh, out of thin air, horsepower, engine package rules. You are correct, sir. Whoa. You are yes. correct. Uh, yes, I, I I do have a smile about that because, um, I mean, uh, you know, our last episode where we left off, who would have thought that we'd be sitting here talking about, oh, yeah, the 550 package and that basically the entire philosophy behind it uh, is no more. I mean, that is yeah. gone away. Uh, you were at the Charlotte test, uh, at least the first one. Then they went back to another Charlotte test. And once they got there, they found out, um, oh yeah, you know, this really doesn't work. <laughs> and remember, I mean, I was yelling about this on one of these podcasts before I left. There's so and, many you know, podcasts saying, you've yelled on about, about the uh, engine package. I can't keep up. But I mean, you remember how I was so like, especially the, the, what I was really hung up on was how slow they were, how slow the cars were. Oh, I know. They're going to be slower than Arca cars at the same track. And that, you know, just, it just, how could you launch a new car and get excited about this and excited about the direction of the cup series and the future and everything. When you're putting on these cup cars that are crawling around the track, they're all supposed to be grouped together that all. And so that is, <laughs> you know, they, they've gone away from that direction. They, they tested it and they said, you know what, it's not going to work. They met with the drivers. They said, all right, we're going to do 670 package instead, which was a replacement for the 750. Um, much closer to 750 than 550, certainly. And, you know, they, they're basically going to use that everywhere. So not just short, short tracks and road courses, but all the intermediate tracks. Uh, and then beyond that, they said, okay, look, we're giving you the higher horsepower drivers. Now let's test a couple combinations here. Do you like the six inch spoiler, you know, center offset or maybe a four inch spoiler? And at that point, Hey, we, you know, they've already given them more horsepower. Let's do less downforce on top of it. Really give the drivers what they want. Make everybody excited about it. And so that's what happened. So I'm excited about it. The drivers are excited about it. seems like it's going to be back in the driver's hands. Tyler Reddick's frequent spins showed us it's going to be hard to drive. Um, and I, I think that gives everybody a lot of momentum, a lot to look forward to instead of going into next year or this season upcoming and saying, oh, geez, oh, here we go again with this you know, let's keep them all grouped up and try to, you know, look, it's still going to be, it's still not like 900 horsepower by any stretch, but I'm highly encouraged by this direction. I'm highly encouraged that NASCAR kept an open mind enough to change things. And, uh, I feel good about this, Jordan. So just to clarify, cause I'm not, I'm kind of certain you got a little bit of vagueness there in what you were saying. This is a 10 on your scale. No. Okay. So I'm not going to say it's a 10. It's a, it's not a 10. It's not a 10, oh, wow. you know, um, because this is a newsworthiness scale. So when you talk about how newsworthy was this story overall, um, I don't even think it's necessarily like that big of a story. It's, it's important for NASCAR and NASCAR fans, but is it like a big quote story? I mean, I think it's bigger than average, but I'm not going to give it that high. So I'm going to put it as a seven on the scale. Oh, wow. See, I would go probably 10 because I, I have a hard time separating everything. And I think you did a really great job in your top five column this week. And if you haven't checked it out, please check it out on theathletic.com of kind of touching on why this is a big deal. First and foremost is the racing on the racetrack. You know, as you mentioned, the cars were slower. I, I didn't get quite hung up on the speed differentials of some other people, but I do want to see cars that are hard to control. I want to be able to see passing. I want to see, you know, drivers pushed to made uncomfortable and have to really showcase their abilities. And 
I think that this package best does that. To me, it's a couple other things as well. As we've heard for many years now, NASCAR was going lower horsepower. Why? Because they thought that this was what OEMs were telling them that they wanted. Potential future OEMs were going to come into the sport. They wanted a lower downforce uh, engine configuration and that this is the way to do it. And so to deviate from that, from a, really a tried and true line in the, it, it felt like a line in the sand. Like they were never going to, you know, go off of this. We've heard it many, many times. I thought that was a big deal. Yes, it showed a willingness by NASCAR to, to be, you know, open-minded and being open to things. And we, but we've seen that in other areas, you know, so that, that wasn't unprecedented. But to say, okay, you know what, maybe this is the direction some of our OEMs wanted. And what I've heard that some OEMs are, maybe not 100% on board with this, but they understand why it has to happen. I think this is a big thing. So, and the other thing you touched on in your column that I 100% agree with was you're, you're debuting this car. You go back to the COT and Kyle Busch in that first race at Bristol 2007. Mm-hmm. And what's he say in victory lane? It sucks. And it just set the narrative that NASCAR could never shake about the COT, whether it was good, bad, or indifferent. Everybody had ingrained in their head, this sucks, and the driver in victory lane just said as much. And, and it did you, suck, by the way. Maybe. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the the wing, all that stuff. Yeah, that I mean, no, it, it was it, ugly. It, and, you yes, know, 100%. Like, yeah. It was ugly. Don't get around that. I mean, it was it was ugly. But it, you need this narrative. It, there's a lot of excitement about this. You've got a race in L.A. that people are, that you, you're going to debut this car. Um, you want everybody in the industry behind this and you don't want your drivers to be critical of it in any facet. So to, to give them what they want, you you've kind of knocked that out. You don't have to worry about that anymore because now if a driver complains, you can look at him and say, you wanted this, this is what you asked for. And so I, I think that's a big thing. And this is going to shape really every tentacle tentacle of NASCAR really this season. I, I think this is a huge move. It's fascinating because I was listening to the the Door Bumper Clear podcast Christmas episode, and they had Tyler Reddick on as a guest. And Tyler Reddick, of course, coming from the dirt world, and he said, "You know, I'm I'm in favor of the higher horsepower. Of course, I'm a high horsepower guy." But he said, "When we tested this, I actually thought that the 550 stuff was the correct direction to go." He's like, "I hated to say it, but I thought it was better because as far as a show." That was going to keep them more grouped up. And that's what we had seen. So, you know, I think that was a bit surprising that this is, I mean, this is not going to be the same type of track or the same type of racing that we've seen potentially over the last few years where it's like they all kind of clump together for a while and then they end up getting stretched out. But I think the positives are there's going to be potential tire wear. sounds like high tire wear. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, if they are strung out, there's going to be the ability to pass. It's not like, you know, with more horsepower instead of a 550 package, um, you know, Kevin Harvick being stuck behind Joey Logano at Kansas, he would be potentially able to pass with a faster car. So that's what I want to see. You know, I want to see, you know, I don't think it's good when you get to a point where you're watching NASCAR and you see the cars going around the track and you're like, okay, tell me, look at all these cars going around and tell me who's the best driver out there. And you're like, uh, yeah, I can't tell. They all kind of look like they're doing the same thing, kind of like they're just all going, you know, I, I don't think that's good. When you see someone who can pass or when there's, you know, you see him really hanging out a loose car or whatever, you're like, whoa, look at that guy. You know, like that's that guy, whoever is in that car is talented. I don't even know who it is or whatever. But, you know, you see somebody who's fast or doing something different or riding the high line. 
I mean, I, I think that's, those are all positive. So if this gets closer to that direction, um, I think that's great. I, I have to ask how, you know, if you could go back, cause I'm, I mean, I'm kind of stunned by the, this happened. Yeah, I was too. Are, are you shocked? Are you stunned yeah, that I was stunned here at this because point? like I said, NASCAR was adamant about this adamant for years. This is the package our OEMs want. This is what we want. This is what our fans want. And there was no deviating from that. And in fact, I would say there with the new car coming in, they were even saying, we're going to go to this package, you know, even more, you know, and wasn't it supposed to be almost designed for this? Yes. Right. Yeah. And so I, I, yes, I was shocked. I I didn't think it was on the table. And then as you start to hear rumblings that this might happen, you're like, well, wait, no, really? And yeah. So that's why to me, it's a 10 out of a 10. And I'll tell you what else. And, and it goes back to what I got really upset about Atlanta as well. Um, you know, you and I were both at that Atlanta race in, in July and they had announced like the repave stuff and like, they're not going back. And all the drivers were so mad, right? They, the drivers were sounding off because they're the, what the drivers were saying was, if you go this direction and you make Atlanta into sort of a super speedway, that's geared toward the 550 package. It was, they basically redesigned the whole track to sort of make it perfect for 550 racing. Right. And now they've done this whole repave and they're, they're going to have to use a super speedway package to start out because they can't go back now. And that's the problem with changing the track or designing a track to fit a certain type of philosophy or package. Because if you ultimately decide it doesn't work or you can't go back, you're stuck with this. And we see it with, with Texas. I mean, Texas wasn't designed for a certain package, but they thought it was going to be a certain way. And we've talked again and again about how Texas kind of, you know, ruined its own track essentially. And, you know, now Atlanta, they've been testing it this week and they're saying, wow. I mean, Kurt Busch was in the media center at Atlanta saying, well, you know, we're making like super speedway style adjustments to this car, which I guess is, that's what they wanted. Right. Mm-hmm. But is that going to work? I still am a bit skeptical about that. They're going to use maybe five, 10 horsepower there less than five fifty, which is what they use at like Daytona and Talladega. So I don't know, man, but yeah, that's, um, I'm very curious on how Atlanta works out. And probably a separate conversation down the road is, you know, I'm, how do you have a super speedway race on a mile and a half racetrack? Is this going to be like the old IRL races? I, I, you know, that's what they want. Let's be honest. Um, follow up on your point about this rules package though. And you kind of mentioned it and you mentioned it in your top five column was we've seen a, a decrease in the number of caution flags, you know, natural caution flags from guys having accidents and that kind of thing. I would expect from just what we've seen in practice and that this car is going to be hard to control, we're probably going to see an, in, uh, an uptick in caution flag, which is a good thing. You want drivers to, to push it and to sometimes overstep. And then a the byproduct of that is more restarts, which are always a good thing too. So I, I think there's a lot of good things that can come from this. I think the racing is going to be better. I think the action is going to be better. The unpredictability of, you know, I would fair to say, I think a lot of times at certain tracks, you were like, oh, we're not getting a caution here. Like there's no way over this long 80 lap run, we're going to get a caution because it just doesn't happen. Guys don't wreck that, you know, that kind of thing. Now guys are spinning out all the time. You don't know. And on top of what you're saying, I think, cause I think you make a great point. If it's harder to drive and you know, you, you know, that means that in, in a, Essentially, you would think that the the elite talents, the cream of the crop would rise the top, right? Plus, it's a spec car. So when you take those two things together, I think it's going to be a lot more easy to tell ourselves or everybody watching like, hey, the person that won this race today or the guy that was fastest today 
it wasn't just because he had a fast car or whatever. Um, I mean, sure, look, they're still going to, you know, have the, the great minds set up the car a certain way or have a faster pit stop because they have a, a great pit crew. But if you have the same equipment and the same engine and then it's hard to drive and so you really feel like that guy deserved it, I think it's going to be like, hey, there's there's some credibility to this winner. You know, it's not just like, yeah, you know, that guy got that guy got clean air and track position and that was that was it. You know, he got he got a caution at the right time and 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 nobody could touch him after that because he was just out front. Game over. You know. So I, I think that's those are positives as well to me that the drivers who in theory should be winning races, maybe this won't come true, but they should be the best drivers. And don't you want to see the best talent be rewarded? I do. I agree. I mean, and the idea behind this car is to level the playing field between the haves and have-nots, and whether that's actually going to happen is up for debate. You know, there's a lot of people that are smarter than I am who will tell you that that's just the big teams are always going to have some inherent advantage, and that's just the way it is, and you really can't minimize that gap. But like you said, if this car is the idea that this is a spec car and everybody's got the same access to parts and pieces and you can't do a whole lot to it, and driver talent is supposed to be the difference maker, this only enhances what driver, you know, this only makes what a driver can do all the more significant is you have a good driver. Even if he's driving for a smaller team, he may be able to elevate that team to a higher level. Yeah, I mean, at the end of 2018, I think it was, um, I think it, it was because this package debuted in 2019, right? Um, and then it was it was all, sorry, the, the 550 package debuted in 2019. That was the um, all-star race 2018, wasn't it? Well, yeah. right, right. But, but I'm saying the full season they used oh, it yes, was 2019. Season, yeah, then they used it on all the tracks the same. Then they said, okay, it doesn't work on short tracks. Let's use 750 for short tracks for 2020. And then, so basically there's three years with this package, if I'm not mistaken. But so it was the, at the end of 2018 at the champions week and Brad Keselowski had made that comment then where he said, you know, this was like the last real championship or, mm-hmm. or something like that. Or maybe it was the playoff day where he said, I want to win this year because it's going to be the last real championship because all the drivers felt like once you get to 550, that's so again, this, this all plays into that. I think that's being reversed now. I think you'd be able to make a case for whether it's the smaller teams coming up, whether it's the cream rising the top, we're going to be able to see driving talent shine. And that's what, again, gets me excited. It gets me excited that um, NASCAR was willing to make this change. I think they do deserve some credit because they probably had to sit there and tell themselves, eh, I don't know how good this looks for us. I mean, Steve Phelps had just said in November, you know, it's a vocal minority who doesn't like this, this kind of racing. And, uh, you know, I, anyway, I, I just hope that it, it works out and that all of us who wanted the higher horsepower are now sort of can, can see that played out and, and have some evidence for, for like, Hey, this really did work instead of like, uh Oh, this was a mistake. You know, I'm really proud of you, by the way, by the way, the smirk on your face is still there. <laughs> is that why you're proud of me? I'm proud of you oh. because I was just waiting for the, I told you so. I, I thought no, this was going to be look, a look, victory lap. No, I, I think that whether it's, um, I, I think that saying, I told you so is one of the stupidest things you can do in life. And I'm serious. Even if they, even if they got rid of the dirt race, or something. And, and I, I would never say, I told you so about, about that. Oh, never. never? Okay. I'm going to mark. No, because I think okay. what the important thing is that you, what, it doesn't matter what it is in life, but you, you, if somebody's going to say, all right, this, this didn't work or whatever, instead of like dancing on the grave, essentially, 
you need to give the people credit for saying, okay, we're wrong. You know, let's try something else. Let's, you know, I, I just don't think that that's a good way to go about life. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody. Who wants to hear somebody go, oh, I was right. I was right. You, you shouldn't have done this. No, I think that's, that's stupid. You do I mean, that I'm sure my podcast every week. Well, yeah, that's true. I'm sure my comments were tinged with that anyway. I mean, I'm sure people feel that way, but I think it's, I think it's stupid to do that. Like, um, no, I mean, look, when I'm right about like the, was the good race pull or something, I'm just messing around or like, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> What's number two on our list, Jeff? Yeah, that was a long one. Sorry. I didn't mean to go off on that, but you know, Jeffy. listen, uh, you know, I, I think number two, I mean, it's more recent, but I think that it deserves a long conversation. And as much as we probably want to avoid it, I see the expression on your face, by the way, you're already going, Oh, you know what I'm going to say? It's, it's the topic that everybody is talking about, but I don't think anyone really wants to talk about. So, I mean, it's the elephant in the room. Uh, let's go, Brandon. Um, why don't you start this time and you give your news value first? Well, you don't have to, I can start, but I I know. I mean, I, I, I was thinking about this as we were kind of, you know, pre-gaming the, uh, the show. And I think it's weird. Like in terms of a news value, you step back, it's probably significantly high, like eight, nine, 10, somewhere in there, because I, I honestly believe this is going to get ugly. There's going to be lawsuits. Probably there's going to be protests. There's going to be a, a segment of the NASCAR fan base. who's going to be very upset. And this is just going to be an issue that doesn't go away. Um, Maybe First of all, why don't, why don't we, um, you know, before you go any further on, on how we feel about it, I guess you, you've done reporting on this. I've done some, uh, I think you've even done more than I have. Can you sort of, you know, lay out the timeline for explain to people who have only maybe had a surface, uh, you know, seen this on Twitter or something like what's your understanding of all that happened with this let's go Brandon timeline. Not, not the Talladega part. We know that happened. Yep. And, and Kelly Stavis had said that, um, and then, you know, it became a meme and political. We, we all, everybody knows that part, but in terms of the NASCAR element of this from November onward to what, how we've gotten here to early January, what, what happened? My understanding is from the people I've talked to, and I think you can echo this as well as your reporting is Brandon Brown and his team. They were trying to find sponsorship and, and take the momentum that they had from the Talladega win this underdog story. And it is a great story. And I think that gets lost in this of what, that meant to that team, that family and everything and use that to, to find sponsorship and to, to can you continue to grow, which is what you want to see for a lot of different reasons. They weren't able to find sponsorship come November. They had no luck. One company though came to them, this cryptocurrency company and decided to make a let's go Brandon crypto coin. Is that the best way to describe it as Jeff? Yeah. I, I mean, I think it was already, from what I understand, it was already launched as another coin yep. on the Ethereum platform. Um, and then they just said, look, we could rebrand our coin essentially. And, you know, by doing that, the people that already hold the coin, uh, if you can make that go up and you have it as a low price, you're going to be make a lot of money in a very short time, yeah. which would be able to pay for the sponsorship. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, and, I, and I fully admit I am not. Um, as smart about crypto stuff as I probably should be. You are much smarter than I am when it comes to this stuff. So I will, I will. Only you know. because I've lost a lot of money on crypto over this <laughs> last year. And it's just, we really so need a webcam on you oh for this God. podcast just to see your facial reactions. Cause right now you're <sighs> very It's great. Let's go back to this, this though. Yeah. Um, this company uh, had met with the Browns and, and had said, 
hey, we want to we want to partner with you. We think we can do something here. They had a conversation. This company, the Browns, met with NASCAR. Uh, my understanding is on the Saturday of the Xfinity Series race at Phoenix, the last race of the year. They met. They laid out what they wanted to do. And NASCAR um, kind of staying, just, um, echoing what Steve Phelps said that the day before, President Steve Phelps, saying we don't really want to be involved in politics. We don't want to be associated with it on either side. NASCAR made it clear to them, you can partner with these guys if you want. That's fine. That's off the racetrack. On the racetrack, we are not going to have, we're not going to be associated with this. And it's just not something we're going to allow, whether it's the Let's Go Brandon chant, um, any signage, anything kind of related to that. And it was very clear. And they parted ways. And the last, uh, and the Browns decided to go forward with this on their own. And when they submitted to NASCAR on December 25th, the paint scheme for this uh, Let's Go Brandon LGB.com, correct, Jeff? No, I think it's LGBcoin.io. Okay, dot the thing. Thank you. And they submitted this, and there was some, there wasn't, there was some vagueness on what this was. And it NASCAR, the person who looked at it, um, probably didn't do as thorough a job as he probably could have in researching this and just kind of quickly signed off on this. Um, the guy who they sent it to is not approved to uh, send political sponsorships through, correct? Correct, but he is approved to do crypto stuff. Right. So, that's so it the, wasn't, uh, he saw it as a crypto thing. Yeah. Obviously, he sh this guy from NASCAR should have looked, should have, there should have been some more thoroughness on NASCAR's side. I mean, that I think that's fair to say. Um, and then when NASCAR returned from its break, a Christmas break, it, it looked at what, what this was and what the, the actual well, meaning no, so that So then they, they announce it. They announce yeah, So they, right. they, the guy says, yeah, the, your paint scheme's fine. It's approved. Yeah. And then the team goes, boom, here's our yeah. announcement. The coin guy, oh, this is great. We're going to have yeah. it all over the car. Sponsor the full season. And then NASCAR's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait whoa. a second. <laughs> yeah. Let's pump the brakes. They, they looked into this some more and they realized that this was a political messaging thing that they are trying to disassociate themselves. And my understanding is NASCAR is going to have, a, for lack of a better term, a ban on political sponsorships. You know, like the Trump, we, we've seen political candidates, whether it's Trump, um, whether it's other political candidates, they have sponsored race cars. They've done this for decades. That is going to no longer be allowed. And, and so that is going to be part of this. And NASCAR came in on Tuesday night and said, we're not, we're not allowing this officially. We're not allowing this. So, you know, I, from the team's perspective, it sounds like they viewed it as, okay, you told us we can't put let's go Brandon on the race car, but how about LGB? That's not let's go Brandon. And so they felt like they could run with it because of this. That's a pretty small loophole essentially. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure they even expected that to get approved when, yeah. <laughs> you know, they send that through But then when it did get approved, they're like, Oh, fantastic. We've have a full season sponsorship. My understanding is, you know, because of the profits that these crypto companies can make in a short time, you know, the holders, I guess I shouldn't say company, but, um, whoever's paying the sponsorship, I mean, you know, people, I keep seeing people say it's a worthless coin. Look, folks, uh, unfortunately, I've invested in a lot of, quote, worthless <laughs> coins uh, over this since May. I mean, but, you know, yes, they're they're way below a penny. But if you you can buy like a million, a billion of these coins and if it go, it's still it, the, 
it still rises in value. I mean, if it goes up 24% in a day, that's 24% a day, whether, I mean, depending on how, whatever you hold, your investment's still going up or down, which is more down in my case. But anyway, um, so, I mean, it, again, if somebody has this, this token and, you know, they buy it at a very low level and they announce, Hey, this is going to be, you know, invest in this coin, support Brandon, show your support. You can invest too. We'll all get rich together. And people buy this and it shoots up 60% and then they sell it, which I don't know if you noticed, but, uh, when it started going down, there was a very steep drop off. Some big holder sold a ton of it and clearly cashed in. Um, so good for them, I guess, whoever that is, but that's the kind of stuff that pays for sponsorship. So anyway, uh, you know, then obviously they come back and NASCAR goes, okay, no, that's, that's not what we thought it was. We didn't, you know, it, it's just kind of one of these only in NASCAR things. And, and once it got to the point where it got approved by the person that shouldn't have approved it, um, because like you said, with your reporting, it, they were never going to approve anything related to that. No. Uh, and you know, once it did get approved now it's, then it becomes in the political sphere even more because it's like, you know, if, if NASCAR let it go, then they'd say all of NASCAR's, you know, talk about politics and stuff. This shows their true colors. They're letting this be on the racetrack. This is who they really are from all the people that they had tried to tell. No, we don't want to have anything to do with politics. We're not taking sides. You know, that sort of erases that. And on the other side, of course, now you have all the people saying woke NASCAR, cancel culture, all the terms that you throw out with that. They're trying to cancel Brandon. They're trying to prevent him from making a career. But really, the whole origin of this was just, I mean, essentially a misunderstanding or an overlooked thing. And it just gets completely spun out of control. NASCAR, once again, seems to find itself right at the center of like culture wars or whatever divisiveness is going on. Seems like it cannot escape. Even when it tries. And in this instance, it I would say it tried. It, it made a, a, a conscious effort to stay out of this and made it clear, like, we don't want to be part of this. We're move, removing ourselves, and unfortunately, got sucked in anyway. Got sucked yeah. in anyway, and now, the, I mean, the reality is, there's going to be a lot of blowback to this, and you know, it has been, will has be, been already, yeah, and yeah. it's going to continue, and it's going to be interesting to see what the far-reaching consequences of this are. I, my my guess is that this will eventually subside, you know, by date after Daytona thereabouts, but it's just one of those things that NASCAR in the last few years. It is tried to, to, to make itself uh, more open to everyone. And unfortunately there, there's just a pushback within a small group of people about that. And it's just, it's continuing. And this, in this instance, not of their own doing. Yeah. It's uh it's just a shame. Like, as I, as I said before in, in my column and stuff, I mean, it's just, there's just no winners in this situation, no matter what happens. I mean, everybody sort of comes out looking bad and, people get mad at everybody and it's just a shame because this is not what anybody wants to be talking about. I don't think. Um, but yet it's a big story and, and I would rate it for this reason. I would probably rate it an eight above the rules package because I mean, you could argue that the two most well-known NASCAR drivers in any series right now in like are Bubba Wallace and Brandon Brown. Um, yeah, that's a, that's I mean, a good point. I'm, ta- I'm talking about like in the greater name, name public recognition, casual. Yeah, I agree. That's a good, that's if a you really walked good up point. to someone on the streets of New York city downtown and you said, name a NASCAR driver. 
I mean, you might get a lot of people saying Jeff Gordon. Oh no, sorry. He retired. Dale Earnhardt Jr. No, he retired. Tony Stewart. No, he retired. Danica Patrick. Nope. You know, <laughs> all these big names. I, I really don't think people are going to be able to name Chase Elliott, Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson. Um, I, I felt that way about Jimmy Johnson when he was around. I mean, it's just like, that's something that race fans know, or maybe sports fans, but not a lot of the general public who aren't necessarily fans, but people sort of know Bubba Wallace and now Brandon Brown. I mean, the president knows many presidents know let's go Brandon. I mean, it's, it's, it's everywhere. So I was at a theme park over the holiday break. And I think I texted you this. I saw a guy wearing a let's go Brandon t-shirt. It's, it's, out I mean, there. it's, it's everywhere. Main, I was everywhere. It's, yeah. Is it mainstream? I don't know if that's the right, if I'd call it that yet, but it's, it's popular. I mean, you, I mean, I'm not going to say you have to be living on a, under a rock to not know what it means essentially. But I mean, pretty much if you pay attention to the news at all, even the general news, you've, mm-hmm. you've sort of heard of this. It's been covered by many outlets. You have people saying this on the floor of Congress, um, you know, congressional people tweeting about it. I mean, you know, it's a code word for an obscenity, obviously. And, uh, it still means that obscenity. I think when you, I mean, it's a wink, 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 I guess, but whether you say, you know, if you're going to say F somebody, you know what that means, whether you say the word or not, if I was going to text you F you Jordan, you get the message. Well, you get the message, whether I spelled that word out or not, essentially. So it doesn't matter that I didn't spell it out. You're still going to be offended probably. Well, you're, you might be so used to it, but I don't know. I've, I'm kind of numb to it now. And it's to me, <laughs> what's interesting about this is I, I don't want to say the Browns are a sympathetic figure in this because I don't think they are. I mean, they let themselves, they went along with this. Um, they agreed to do this, even though NASCAR gave them, you know, basically a heads up of, Hey, we're not going to allow this. And it just seems like they got on board with something that got quickly got out of control. That aside, um, I do feel bad for them in the sense, though, that this is a small team who's tried to do things the right way. Um, it's a great story. They, 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 they scrap by. And now we're, I don't know how many days from the season, 30 some days or from the season starting and they don't have a full season sponsorship. And, you know, what does that mean? And if you're a potential sponsor out there looking to get in NASCAR, are you wanting to be associated with these guys? Because as you said, Jeff, that's a connotation that maybe you don't want to be associated with. Yeah. I mean, certainly there's an element of, you know, half the country that probably would want to be associated with it. Um, and so there's businesses that go along those lines, but if you can't say the let's go Brandon part, then maybe that takes away some of those businesses motivation for doing it. Um, somebody on Twitter, I can't, I cannot remember who it was. And I, I wish I had saved the tweet or something. I think as I was just scrolling through things, but somebody tweeted, could be the, could this be the first time a win has ruined a driver's career? I mean, it's just so, and I say so from that perspective, I do think it's, I do find them to be sympathetic figures because, you know, he did not ask for this. You can argue, okay, well, they've, you know, said one thing, they've gone along with another thing, but the bottom line is it seems like sponsors must've found them toxic after they, after this whole thing. And he's trying to find sponsorship and ultimately he goes, okay, look, this is a way to get our entire season paid for. Okay. I mean, that sounds pretty good. Let's see if we can do something with this here. And you know, maybe it's just off the track. I mean, they, they clearly tried to spin it as America's coin. I don't think anybody was buying that or like America's driver. 
Um, you know, this is Let's Go America. I mean, he said that in his Newsweek column. Unfortunately, I just don't think a lot of people are going to buy that or see it that way, who who already predispositioned to see it another way. But um, Brandon himself, I mean, his he didn't do anything wrong. And um, yes, he's, you know, probably made some miscalculations since then, but it's just a shame. I mean, the entire thing's a shame. It just really is. It's just, uh, I just hate to see. It's the culture we live in. Unfortunately, it's, you're right. It's it's really just symbolic of where we are at. I mean, not to go deep here or anything, but as a nation, it's, it's just very unfortunate. It feels inescapable at times. And I'm sorry that this is a NASCAR entertainment type podcast and we've spent time talking about it, but we can't escape it though, but that's the reality right now. I I mean, it's, I know. So it's, it, I mean, if we didn't, if you have a podcast and you don't talk about it, everybody goes, uh, hello. Like you guys kind of missed like yeah. talking about a pretty significant issue here. So let's move yeah. on though. Yeah. Um, since we're already on the topic of not so great things, uh, how about M and M's leaving NASCAR, leaving Joe Gibbs racing, leaving Kyle Busch after this upcoming season? Um, that's pretty significant. I mean, I'll, I'll give that maybe, a. I'll give that maybe a seven also, um, because it's five is average news. This is certainly above average news. It's not, I mean, the bottom line is Kyle Busch can still find a sponsor. Joe Gibbs racing can still find a sponsor, but that's a big significant sponsor. It's been a long time NASCAR sponsor for many different drivers. And that M and M's paint scheme has been very recognizable. Mars has put, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars into NASCAR and for them to just say, Bye. It's been been a good ride. Wow, that's seems big. It is, and you know this follows Lowe's, another long term, long time NASCAR sponsor that decided to to recently leave the sport. But I would put it a five on my scale, maybe a six, and this is why they've been around now since the late nineties uh, as a main as a main team sponsor. That's a long, long time. They've invested a lot of money. Things change. People change. We see that for a sponsor to stick around for 20 plus years, that's incredible. And for them to do it and to to do it is great. But then to say, you know what, we're going to look at other avenues. And there's been a lot of turnover in their executive ranks. They've had some changes in direction in terms of marketing and stuff. It's understandable why they would want to try something else. I mean, longtime sponsors in this sport are very hard to come by. It's very rare. And I don't think it's, I am not, you know, when Lowe's left Jimmy Johnson, I looked at it as, man, this is, this is tough because it was a string of these big name sponsors that were leaving. And you could say, you know, I wrote the column then, um, which was, this is a concern for NASCAR. This is, you know, NASCAR has got to readjust itself. I just feel like in this instance, you know what? I see a company who's in transition there. They've got new leadership. They want to try something different. I, I don't see an issue with that. Um, the one thing I do see a problem with is there aren't too many like quote unquote kid friendly sponsors out there. Does that make sense? You know, whether it's a, a kid's TV show or kids products or that kind of thing. And you mentioned it again, and I keep touting it because it was a great piece, your top five of how, you know, you, you'd have a kid and you you'd say, Hey, look, there's the M&M's car, you know, and you, it would be really easy for them to hop on board that. So that, that to me is a, a disappointment and a bummer, but I, I just don't look at this as a reflection on NASCAR. I just look at this as a company who's in a, in a changing environment and they're trying something different. And they, we should, they've been around a long time and that's, you should celebrate that. Yeah. I mean, I essentially, you know, 
I'm, I'm a relatively new parent, so I don't have a ton of experiences with this, but <clears throat> my three-year-old, uh, I mean, she just turned three, not that long ago. And so she, we haven't watched any NASCAR, you know, she hasn't sat down and watched NASCAR with me yet, but she was old enough for that, uh, F1 stuff in December, those last couple weeks there. Um, especially the last weekend where I was watching it and she was there too. And I was trying to like get her interested in watching it. So I didn't have to change the channel to Blippi or Coco Melon or Disney. And, and I wanted to keep watching what I wanted to watch. So I was saying, Oh, look at the colorful cars. And she saw the Red Bull cars. And for whatever reason, she latched onto the Red Bull cars and she started saying Red Bull, Red Bull. And I just thought, wow, this must be like what it's like for the NASCAR parents with M&Ms where they say, look, you know, look, little boy, look, little girl, there's, there's M&M's car. Let's watch together. Oh, look at the M&M's car going really fast. And then it gets them into it because I got my three-year-old to sit there and watch and be patient watching an F1 race because I wanted to watch it or an F1 qualifying even, uh, you know, with cars going on the track because she was like, whoa, every time she saw the Red Bull car. So, you know, I think there's a, a powerful thing in that. And obviously you can have different colored cars. You could say, look, there's a, colorful ally car or, or whatever DuPont or whatever it is. Um, I guess DuPont, not anymore, but you know what I mean? Uh, Exalta. Sure yeah, I know. Um, and my point is, uh, you know, you, there's other sponsors you could attach to, but something that directly appeals to kids is, mm -hmm. is probably hard to come by. And especially when M&Ms was around for so long and spending, you know, whatever, $20 million a year, whatever it was. And I mean, that's a pretty significant investment. So, um, you don't want to see that happen, especially, there's been such a parade of sort of high, I mean, you think about target leaving, um, or office you know, depot, office depot, Aflac, all, all these, you know, there's National been a guard. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you could name probably a dozen pretty easily. Nationwide. Uh, yeah. That's, I mean, it's true. Anyway. Um, so let's move on to the next one, which is a much more recent thing here. Um, just came out today. Uh, Ryan Priest is going to be quote, a reserve driver F1 term, um, for Stuart Haas racing. Uh, he's going to be the backup in case any of the four get COVID, which entirely possible. Let's be honest in this current environment and has to miss a race, but he's also, um, going to drive the simulator. He's going to get two cup races. I think three Xfinity races with an undisclosed team or TBA team and seven truck races with David Gilliland racing. So he gets to drive some races. He gets to be in the sim. He gets to sort of be there, sort of the maybe Alex Bowman-esque model. Yeah. Um, what do you think of this move? Uh, on the on the scale, probably a two or three thereabouts. Um, but I think it's a smart move for everybody involved. I think this is a win-win across the board. Stuart Haas Racing is getting a driver, Ryan Priest, who I think is talented and in the right situation can be competitive and win races. And he's get, they're getting someone experienced. And as we've seen – with Alex Bowman at Hendrick and Chevrolet, uh, Drew Herring with Toyota and Joe Gibbs Racing, for these manufacturers and these big teams to have that quote-unquote backup, you know, simulator driver who just kind of exclusively works on behind-the-scenes stuff, that is key. And and as you said, in this environment with everything going on with the in the pandemic, uh, you, you might need somebody in a pinch. And instead of having to scramble and, and find somebody and hoping they can to make it work. You've already got somebody who's familiar with your crew chiefs, your engineers, the team structure. You're going to have the seat for him at the racetrack. You don't have to worry about getting him there. You don't have to worry about getting the equipment there. It just makes a lot of sense. And the, the other part of this, too, is for Ryan, 
he goes to an organization where he, he's going to he's going to fit in well. He's a racer. Stuart Haas Racing is kind of that blue collar mentality in a lot of respects. I think he's going to do well there. He's going to bring a lot to the table. And you know what? Maybe this does turn into a Bowman situation. You know, we, we throw it around, but Kevin Harvick's status is, I don't want to say it's year to year, but let's be honest, he's getting to the end of his career um, within the next few years. That's going to happen at some point. And if Ryan does a really good job and, and shows that he is capable of handling that kind of, uh, of a, that kind of opportunity, that would be a seamless transition for that. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Plus, Eric Omarola is on a one-year deal. His contract is up at the end of the year. If there's an opening there, and you know, it just it just makes a lot of sense for Ryan to position himself for his next move. I like it a lot. And who represents Ryan Priest? <laughs> KHI, who was Kevin Harvick Incorporated. So that seems to be, I mean, really good. I mean, you know, the synergy there. Yeah. Okay, let's get him into Stuart Haas. We know what's going on with Harvick. You know, they kind of pull both strings there. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's a good fit, you know, if they become familiar with them, with all the stuff you talked about with the sim driver, being at the track constantly, um, working with the team guys, it's good personality fit. He performs well. He helps the team. And as Not you said, expensive if, either. that's right. Yep. Uh, I, I will say that as far as like the news value of it, I mean, probably a, a three, I guess, but yeah. it could become much bigger. You know, is, that could turn into something much bigger. So this is something to monitor down the road a year from now. Let's let, let's see where this is at. Let's see how Ryan does this year. I mean, the equipment he's going to get in in the Cup Series, it's probably going to be a backmarker team with, you know, Stuart Haas equipment. We're, we're, we're racing our um, live fast. Um, you know, the Xfinity Series side, we, we've seen what Priest can do. And if he gets in a good car over there, who knows? And we know he can win in the Truck Series. He did it last year. But, I mean, that said, I mean, it's not – you can't even label stuff as backmarker stuff. Can you anymore at the moment? Because live fast is going to have the exact same cars as Stuart Haas and Penske and Hendrick and Gibbs. Um, I'm going to, they might not have the same engines, (laughs) but yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the grand scheme of things and in this era of everything is spec and everything. Yeah. I hear what you're saying and no disrespect to the Rick wears the world and BJ McLeod and, and Matt Tiff. I'm just going to, be honest and say there is a regardless of whether you all have the same equipment there's going to be a gap between Stuart House racing and and them there there should be based on like pit crews and engineers and stuff but i'm just saying they're going to have the same opportunity again engine aside because it could be you know the lower teams can't run the uh high they can't afford the high engine package the maximum a engine package a level package or whatever it's called um each week but you know if they for a week they can I mean, if you're going to say, okay, Priest is in this Rick Ware car this week, we're going to buy him uh, a level engine. We're going to give him one of our backup pit crews. I mean, what's the difference between a Stuart? Hot- I mean, it is the exact same cars. I mean, from the conversation that I've had with crew chiefs and maybe you've had different ones. I, there are still going to be things that happen with this car tweaks. You can make to it um, that the bigger teams are going to have an opportunity to maybe do a little bit more just because they're, they have the, basically it comes down to manpower and the engine, you know, in a collective pool of engineers that can figure out how to tweak this car. Well, um, let's go to a 10 here. And this is like way delayed reaction. We don't even have to spend that much time on this, but, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, we have one more free agency news that just came in as we're recording this podcast. Would you like to hear? Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, please drop that news on me. Maddie D, uh, is got a full-time ride. 
he is joining Rackley Ware for a full time ride. What was that? War, right? Did I say where? Where? War. What war? Yeah, sorry. Jeez. It's the offseason. I'm getting used to this. A Rackley War. And he's going to run full time in the truck series in 2022. Jeff, what do you think? Um, yeah, so that news is probably guess I guess about a five because it's a big name guy. Um, but obviously a very small ride. Um, you know, that Rackley truck, I mean, it had um I'm pretty sure they had a few different drivers. And, uh, you know, you, you would see, you know, maybe, a, a Josh Berry did a couple starts in there. Um, I mean, I don't know, Timothy Peters was in that ride for a little bit and then it didn't work out there. Uh, I just, I mean, I don't, it seems it's an underfunded truck. Am I, am I wrong? Um, no, yeah, I mean, I you're an, an underfunded truck team. You know, is he going to win a race in that? No, I don't think so. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I don't really know how, how much I like that move. Um, I guess it, it keeps him in things full time. But, you know, that's not like a that's not like a John Hunter Nemechek going to the truck series from Cup where John Hunter Nemechek goes, okay, I'm going to go here and I'm going to win a bunch of races and being contending equipment and try to win a championship. This is like, oh, this is the only thing I could get sort of thing. But I almost think in that case, you almost might want to, I mean, of course you need money and things like that, but you almost want, might want to do like a priest type deal. That seems more attractive to me where you don't, you're not out there every week. You don't just get known as like a truck guy. You're in different equipment or you're on standby or you're associated with the team in case they need somebody. Um, you know, I, the, there is an upside in that if he does better, it sort of outruns what people's perception is of that equipment. Then people go, okay, Look at Matty D. Wow, he's really elevated that team. But if he runs where we think like a Rackley War truck um, should run, that's very bad for his career, I think. I mean, that's not good. That's not good. So I, I, I would say with, it's about a five, but go ahead. I would agree with I would agree with that ranking. I agree with everything you said. To me, this is like bar clothes at like one, you know, bar clothes at 2 a.m. It's 150. You're trying to find someone to go home with for the night. And you, your what? options <laughs> and your options are pretty slim. And you're I've never been like, in this situation in my life, Jordan. You never been in that? Oh my god. Okay. Well, wow. Really? You've never no. been like, you never met anyone at a bar before? No, I've never, never met anybody at a bar. Sorry. Oh I've, wow. I'm that's sorry. not been my my dating style. Sorry. Oh wow. I'm sorry. You haven't lived then. Okay. <laughs> wow. I'm, Please continue really, though. I'm very that's interested. Really depressing. Okay. So bar close, <laughs> 2 a.m. 150. You're looking around the room. You know, lights are coming on. You're like, yeah, I don't want to go home alone tonight. You're trying to figure this out and you've got no options. This is it for Matt. I mean, this was it. He's had other things that didn't work out for a lot of different reasons. Oh, and God. to me, <laughs> I don't, most people are going to hear this analogy. They're going to get it, Jeff. I'm sorry. I didn't realize you're not. You know? I get the analogy. I just, you know, you're so just so confidently speaking from experience here. <laughs> no comment on that. Anyway. Um, to me, this is just, it's interesting to see. This is a guy who two years ago was in the cup series playoffs and was a guy who's almost won a few of these races the last few years, you know, and go back to 2019. And I always think about it. You were there that day at Bristol. He almost won the Bristol night race and the crowd chanting his name and the enthusiasm that Matt had. And that kind of propelled him to get that Wood Brothers ride and hit an opportunity 
I want to say, I want to say opportunity of a lifetime. That's what he'd always worked for to get an opportunity with a big team. And, you know, you got Penske equipment there and he, he had a good first year and then it just went sideways. And a lot of that was on Matt's shoulders for that. They didn't have the success they wanted to in year two. Um, you know, there's a lot of hurt feelings across the board. And when things settle and there wasn't, we know he doesn't have sponsorship and that's going to impact him and it's going to hurt his chances to get a ride somewhere. But the Ryan Priest analogies, the, the uh, comparison is a great one. Uh, be selective. Put yourself in a position to showcase your ability. Ryan Priest is doing that. What are we going to see out of Matt this year in the truck series? It's a low-funded team. I mean, if he finishes 10th, I mean, are, we gonna, are, are people going to recognize that he's he's doing a great job? I, I, it's it's going to be a struggle. And let's be honest, if the funding – we don't know the funding situation there, there's no guarantees that this team um, lasts throughout the year. Let's play a game. So I just looked this up while you're talking. Okay. Um, the Rackley truck had five different drivers last year in the truck, including three of the drivers were Josh Berry, William Byron, and Brett Moffitt. They combined those drivers in 23 starts for one top 10 finish. Would mm-hmm. you like to guess the average finish of those drivers? Again, including Josh Berry for nine starts, William Byron, Brett Moffitt, Timothy Peters, Willie Allen. 22.3. Did you look this up? Swear to God, he did not look it up. Wow, that's incredible because the average finish was 22.2. That's a <laughs> hell of a guess, Jordan. Wow. I suddenly do not want to do the Was It a Good Race poll with you this year if you're going to be guessing like that. That's Woo! unbelievable. Did you really not look that up? I swear to God, I did not look it up. And you missed it by 0.1 on your just <laughs> random guess? Up, I swear Holy cow. That's unbelievable. You can hear me typing. Wow. I didn't type. Wow, what a guess! Yeah, twenty-two point two is the average finish there. And there's some good drivers um, there too. I mean, Barry's a really Josh good Barry. I mean, you know, he had nine starts in that truck, and his average finish was sixteen point seven. Mm. Um, you know, that's again, we all know he's a good driver. He got the only top ten um, in that truck last year. But I just, uh, I don't know, man. I, that doesn't bode well for. Hey, this is the place to come redeem your yeah. career and show everybody this is the way to go. And what, I don't know. I mean, what, what's the I mean, what's the knock on Matt? What has been the knock? He can't win races. He's never won a race in the NASCAR National Series before. And is that going to change by him going to this team and running the truck series full time? No. The, the 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 question mark about him is still going to exist. It, it, that's just the reality. Yeah. Um, so the last thing I was going to touch on at least was, um, the F1 finale. I know, uh, you've written a column about that. that got a tremendous response. How many comments were on that thing? Like over 300 or something, 500, 500. Uh, let's look here. I mean, yeah, you talk, I'll look. I mean, that is just, you set the record for comments. Obviously, um, it. <laughs> it was quite the, uh, well, your column, uh, got quite the I just response. want to thank Max and Lewis and the uh, formula one officials for screwing everything up in, uh, the finale. So that, I appreciate that very much. Yeah. Um, that was something else. Uh, I've, I've lightly weighed in on it, I guess, but yeah, I mean, obviously people were very interested in this are still interested in this around the world. I mean, in F1 land, it has continued to get just constant, uh, to, I mean, we don't even know if, I mean, Lewis might not come back because of this. I love I mean, his like, just going like, completely radio silent and just ghosting everybody and not saying anything. I mean, I think it's fantastic. Like you just don't you like, you like that. I think it's great. I think it's fun. Like I'm, I'm like Mercedes not showing up 
at, at the awards ceremony. I love it. It's just kind of like a kind of a, a middle finger to the Formula One over which uh, which was embarrassing officiating. I mean, I, we, we know my opinion. I wrote about this, Jeff. We, we haven't really heard from you about this. What, what were your takeaways from that? So um, my next door neighbor is a Max fan with like one of those expensive Max hats and everything. And I went over, uh, I guess it was six something AM, maybe um, mountain time when that race was on, went over uh, to his house to watch that finale with him. And you would think a Max fan would be thrilled that his driver just won the championship. He was very upset. He was, it was almost like, I'm not going to say, you know, he, he wasn't like the, uh, um, no, Mikey, no, no, this is not the way to do it kind of thing. No, that wasn't, that wasn't him like uh total wolf, but he was like, oh, this is not the way you want to win a championship. That's just not right. Like, he's like, you know, I wanted Max to win the championship, but I didn't want him to do it this way. Like, this is not, you know, Lewis deserved that championship. I mean, and this is a Max fan saying this now I, I I doubt that's indicative of most Max fans who were just purely happy that he won and just wanted him to win and, oh, too bad for Lewis, but whatever, our guy won and he deserved it anyway and Lewis wrecked him out and, you know, you can have many sorts of justifications for that kind of thing. But it struck many people, obviously, uh, as not right the way that happened, especially clearing the lap cars because, I mean, if you're going to let the safety car uh, you know, you're going to pull the safety car back in with one lap to go. That's one thing. But then when you do it and then clear all the lap cars and only the lap cars that were between second place and the leader and leave the other lap cars in their position, um, to put a guy with fresh tires right behind. I mean, it was, as soon as that happened, it was over. I mean, even the greatest driver in the world, Lewis Hamilton cannot defend, uh, on way older tires against a hungry driver with fresh tires with one lap to go for the championship. It's just not going to, there's nothing he could do except he could have tried to crash him, I guess, or, but then he loses the tiebreaker. So, um, yeah, I think it was over at that point. I understand why they're upset. Uh, I'm a little bit, I obviously would like to see Lewis Hamilton come back next year and then, um, you know, say, okay, this happened. Now I'm going to go win the record setting eighth the right way or the, you know, that could have been, that would have been the right way. What am I saying? But, um, you know, I'm, I'm just going to do it anyway, but, um, to see him, you know, potentially leave or think about it or consider it, uh, you know, unfollow more than 700 people on his Instagram to be unfollowing zero people, to be following zero people now going completely silent, not doing any interviews. Um, by the way, you know, I still am hung up on the the post-race interview. I don't know if it was, I think it was Jensen Button maybe, um, in Park Ferme. Yeah. And, uh, he did not ask him, he did not ask Lewis, what did you think of the end of the race? Or what did you think of that call? He said, oh, great season, Lewis, kind of thing. And they let him go without it. And then Lewis didn't do, skipped all the media interviews. So we we still don't know. I mean, we obviously know through his actions uh, what he thinks of that, how it unfolded. But we never got that reaction of like, I can't believe it. I was robbed or anything like that. I mean, and he, look, he handled it very classily. He congratu- classily. He uh, congratulated Max. Um, his dad congratulated Max's dad. I mean, they, they did it the right way, all that stuff. But... Um, obviously to go silent, to skip the prize giving, um, you know, it, there's a, some clear and, and for Toto to come out and say, oh, I sure hope he comes back. And then the, the new FIA president, did you see this? Oh, I saw it. That's he was great. holding a, a press briefing at the uh, Dakar rally and they asked him, you know, about Lewis. And he said, oh, I've reached out to Lewis and sent him personal messages. This is the president of the FIA, the new president, no response, oh, love it. no response. So, um, Formula One is the best reality show out there. And 
far be it for me to tell the the drive to survive producers if they're not documenting this this offseason, they're doing it wrong. I mean, that's part of it now, right? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be very curious to see how they handle it. Uh, you know, because that has to be almost an, a whole episode in itself or something like, you know, the Abu Dhabi should be the second to last episode. And then, you know, like what happened bonus. afterwards? <laughs> we need like yeah. Like, bonus. <laughs> right. I mean, it's going to be a cliffhanger otherwise of like, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm sure Lewis isn't giving them access or something. I, I mean, I, I don't know what they're doing, but anyway, fascinating. Um, the debate over it's been fascinating. Just listening to different people, um, you know, because obviously F1 fans are so upset that, you know, it, it unfolded this way where I, as I, I wrote this and I, I feel like NASCAR fans are kind of like, yeah, I mean, that kind of happens sometimes, you know, they're NASCAR fans are much more used to something weird happening to deprive the fastest driver of the day. Yeah. NASCAR fans would have or, expected this finish. Like they would have been like, oh, this is exactly what's going to happen. Like they're going to like, you know, they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Just another one of those. This is like Jeff Gordon in 2013 getting added to the chase. Right. Like, eh. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, people, I got some people responses saying, well, NASCAR doesn't like change the rules in the middle of the race. Like F1 did. I'm sorry. Um, Bristol. Yeah, exactly. I mean, going to double file restarts in the middle of the race when that hadn't been a thing for years and they suddenly just say, okay, we're going to do this. I mean, no, that, that stuff like that. I mean, I'm not saying it was to decide a championship, but I mean, NASCAR's entire format is set up to decide a championship on some weird thing like David Starr's brake rotors or whatever, you know, causing a caution and changing the outcome of the race. Yeah. So, but obviously that's not as familiar in F1 and uh, it seems like a lot of people were upset about that, but it's the drama has been, I mean, you're still, people are still talking about F1, still writing about it. It's great. Uh, it's just, I mean, they've, the, the drama is certainly there. They're certainly getting attention from it, but I don't know if that's the right way. Um, but I, I do think that was a 10 as far as news, at least F1 news all around the world. I mean, that's doesn't get to be a much bigger story than that, really. No, I mean, arguably the biggest story in motorsports, that I, I would say probably 2021 is that, is that that race and how it unfolded. It was incredible. And it's, you know, now the FIA is investigating and it's kind of going through its procedures and whether they got to make changes and everything. It's, it's just great. It's drama. It's fantastic. It's what we like about Formula One. You've got these outsized personalities and trash talking and, and then you've got Lewis Hamilton just ghosting everybody. It's so good. I, I can't wait to see what's going to happen with all this, but fortunately now we have our podcast back to talk about it uh, every week. Uh, talk about NASCAR, IndyCar, Chili Bowl. I'm sure we'll be talking about um, next week as well and all that. So that's going to start Monday. And, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been fun. Um, Jordan will, uh, we'll end it here for now, but hope everybody had a, uh, Merry Christmas and happy new year. Happy off season, merry <laughs> off season. And, um, we're glad to be back with you. We're glad to be back at it and, uh, looking forward to a great year. Tweet us your thoughts on everything. Tweet us what you want to hear for some of these off season podcasts. We're not committed to just doing news recaps every week. We'll, we'll have some themed episodes as well. Coming up is uh, the lead up to Daytona and previously or before that, the clash continues. So, yeah, we're excited. Jordan, great to talk to you, everybody. Um, have a great week. Talk to you next time on The Teardown.